0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at deconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and today I'm all by myself because it's the week of the Online Sales and Marketing Summit, so this episode will be a little bit different than normal. The good news is, is we've got some special things planned to do at the summit that everyone who's having serious FOMO right now, because you're not attending, will be able to enjoy part of. Yes, there'll be a live episode. We also may have something else up our sleeves, so stay tuned for that. But here's how this week is going to go. I'm not going to give you a story time segment because I'm all by myself. Telling a story by myself isn't as fun. And I did a quick news check. The only thing that I think is worth talking about this week and can't wait for later is this new state attorney general antitrust investigation led by the state of texas and new york against google and facebook for possible antitrust violations i'm looking at an article from theguardian.com link in the show notes but it's kind of funny because it talks about hey structural failings when you think about other big antitrust breakups of companies like at&t railroads back in the 1800s you know market failings in advertising is a strange problem because no one really actually wants advertising, but advertising is nonetheless critical to finance free press and all these other forms of media that we have. And it's a big part of our life. And I don't care so much about that. It's not relevant for this podcast as much as much as the idea that, you know, any one channel can't be your thing that you just rest on for too long. I'm not at all saying that you need to be concerned at this point about Facebook or Google, but just that anything can and probably will someday happen. And so as great as Facebook and Instagram is performing for you right now, don't ever rest. Don't ever become complacent because that's exactly when you'll be caught off guard. Again, maybe this is a little bit of a short story time segment. We always have to balance between being aware of what is new and trending and the shiny objects out there. And really focusing on the things that we can control and we know work now while testing those other things so we're not caught off guard. We don't want to become a pure pioneer type marketer where we're only chasing the new and the different because we'll miss out on the bigger opportunity of today just doing things better and better. And again, Facebook and Instagram is a great example of that of doubling tripling down on that right now is providing the best results for most builders out there so just uh, some interesting news and we might come again at that in a future episode when everyone else can can share their two cents okay we're going to take a quick break and we come back through the power of time travel andrew and i will be interviewing justin Nolette from sterling homes in edmonton canada Justin is one of the smartest and sharpest minds that I've ever worked with. He really everything that I was teaching, he picked up faster, perhaps than almost anyone that I've ever worked with. Just an amazing guy. In fact, I see here on his LinkedIn profile, he actually teaches a course at the University of Alberta on marketing. Totally makes sense to me. One of the sharpest guys. We're going to talk about a couple of different things, marketing automation and how far we can push that. Some progressive marketing tactics, maybe you'd say very Canadian, European style marketing and how that might be different. Just some uniquenesses between the Canadian and United States markets for new home sales and marketing. It's going to be a great time. And then we'll see you next week with the live episode from this year's online sales and marketing summit. Enjoy. All right, welcome back. We've got Justin from Sterling Homes in Edmonton. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Happy to be here, Kevin.
0: Let's jump in now. You're one of my favorite French Canadians. I I like to tell everyone that. (laughs) You enjoy curling. That's right. What else do you guys do for fun in Alberta? Because it's there's snow there, a lot of snow there. What do you do for fun on a Friday night?
1: What do we do for fun on a Friday night? So as you imagine, curling, especially in Western Canada, big thing over here. So we like to actually combine both drinking and sport together, and so that's okay. what we've done with curling. We stand on ice, we throw rocks down that sheet of ice, and we get to drink in between throwing of rocks. And so uh, I mean, I can't really think of a better way to spend a Friday night than to you know throw rocks down ice and drink. So I mean, I don't know what you guys think is fun down south, but uh, up here that screams fun. But what else do we like to do? I mean, obviously in the winter time. Uh, we we in Western Canada are right next to the mountains and so we have the Rockies you know, as our backyard and so ah. we're big snowboarders here. We like to ski nice. a lot, snowshoeing, you name it. That's what we like to do for fun. We like to get outdoors and take in the fresh air and, and enjoy the mountains.
0: You're also a basketball fan, right?
1: That's right. So I don't know if you remember, about a month ago, we, a month and a half, the Toronto Raptors... First Canadian team to take on the championship. So am very happy. Um, obviously, I'm a big basketball fan, big Kawhi fan. Unfortunately, he's uh, decided to take his talent down south to L.A. But he came and, and got to take care of business and he, he brought home a championship for us. So, yeah, a lot of Canadian fans that are happy right now. He actually did probably wonders for the future of basketball here in Canada. It's kind of what we had seen with Vince Carter back in the early 2000s is, basketball rates just shot up after you know he created what you call the vinsanity here in Canada or Air Canada
0: hopefully that just makes you guys feel better about how many years has it been since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup now
1: was the first Canadian team to actually (laughs) win a major championship in any of the major sports leagues unfortunately so 1993 was the last time Uh, the Blue Jays won the MLB championship in 93 as Mm. well as the Montreal Canadiens won the NHL Stanley Cup at the time as well so yeah Toronto Raptors uh, it was a long time coming for sure all
0: right. Sorry, Andrew.
2: <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good. So we're way down south. I'm way down south in Florida. You're way up north, way up there in Edmonton, which is pretty far north in, in my opinion, right? How long is winter months? Like, what does that mean? I have a day where I have a jacket on and that's it. That's, so, that's okay. So the just 40s. so you guys know
1: as well here. So we actually have a summertime. It's a, a solid five months of, you know, good weather, meaning we're in the, you know, in, in your guys' metrics, 80 degrees Fahrenheit or above so we can actually get up there um but, but yes it is true we have a long winter a solid seven to eight months depending on the uh mm. depending on the winter and so it can definitely get a little chilly uh where we see um uh, negative degrees um here in in canada so uh definitely gets
2: chilly um uh, what was your question andrew exactly i feel like i got a clear. No, curious. it's the drastic i'm sure building that has to sound like just like we have rain and hurricanes no, building and, in the winter, you, yeah. and then building in the winter, like just the logistics of like, okay, it's warm enough. I'm sure that's not much fun to like. Yeah. So
1: um, the fact is we don't take a whole lot of breaks actually. So <laughs> wow. um, uh, in Western Canada, it's, Amazing. It's, it's actually shocking to people that it'll be like minus 30 degrees Celsius. Sorry. You're going to have to go to Google and do that conversion yourself, but very, very cold. Like, you know, it gets down to your bone. It's like bone chilling cold. And we don't take days off. On rare occasions, our framers will hold off till the weather gets a little bit more clear. But otherwise, we're out there, rain or shine or snow or ice or you name it. So... It doesn't necessarily disrupt our process a whole lot it's actually the summertime when we get a whole lot of rain like right now we're seeing a lot of uh, issues with our landscaping department uh, because of uh, you know just the rain and getting in the way of actually us uh, doing rough grading and, and laying down some sod my job title is marketing and digital sales manager the digital sales quite frankly our goal is to one day sell a home online that we want to buy now button we want to be the amazon of new homes uh, here in canada so that's our goal Digital sales, that's thats hopefully where, you know, we are going one day. And obviously with the online sales concierge as well, that obviously fits into uh, the department as well.
0: Awesome. And, but you got your start before home building. Tell everyone a little bit about what you were doing and what industry you were doing. It in.
1: Right. So I have a background in the automotive industry. So I uh, work for a company that has dealerships all over Western Canada, as well as into the um, uh, Eastern Canada now um, as they continue to grow. I think they have over 60 dealerships at this point. And so very progressive, very forward thinking. Yeah, as I mentioned, it continue to grow. I've always said there's a lot of parallels between the two industries, a lot of barriers to entry, a lot of barriers to buy, even more so in the home industry than even in the mm-hmm. car. I was able, I feel, to take a lot of what I learned in the car industry and bring it over to the, the, the new home industry as well.
0: Yeah, so when I met Justin in Canada for the first time, when I flew out to, to see you, about a year and a half ago or, or so now, maybe, huh?
1: Probably almost two years now coming up, I guess. Yeah. Now. Yeah.
0: So Mike Lyon didn't want to go. And I don't remember why. Normally Mike or Jen will go first and talk about online sales stuff and I'll follow up <laughs> with marketing, but so it was cold or something. They were like, you go, you go ahead and go to Canada first. <laughs> Thanks guys. And so I just remember we had some amazing deep fried cauliflower. Jeff Shore will be happy to, to hear about that because I know that how much he good. loves cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, we had some great food, but I just remember as we were talking about the state of, of affairs currently, both in marketing and online sales, and as we were talking, you just kept, and this is why I really wanted to have you on so people could hear kind of your thought process from your own words is you're like, huh, that seems really familiar to what we used to do in the car space. And and just talk a little bit about kind of that idea of pulling back things you were using and, and maybe why originally coming into a different industry, you, you might not have felt as confident to say, no, that does make sense for homes, too.
1: Just so that we're clear, is what are we talking more so on the marketing side right now, or the online yeah. sales?
0: side? Yeah, marketing.
1: Yeah, so like I guess on the marketing end, you know, as I mentioned, there's so many barriers to buy in both of our industries, and so when i speaking about automotive and new home industry, and so like for example, people have homes to sell, people also have. Cars to sell as well before they, you know, they purchase and take on a new vehicle. And so, like, what's your vehicle worth? Like doing free car appraisals before you um, uh, you trade in your vehicle, calculating car payments, doing trade-ins, doing financing. There are so many parallels. And so, at least for us here in in, in Canada, it's all about overcoming those obstacles and and providing essentially that one-stop shop for our buyers so that we can remove those barriers along the way. And actually it allows us to become more of a new home advisor than it is a new home sales specialist. And, you know, Kevin, you're, you know, you actually gave that analogy, you know, the people walk into a show home and right away they can smell the commission breath from Mm -hmm. miles away. So that is a constant, you know, a challenge for our sales teams. And So and providing as much help as we can and giving them, for example, uh, doing a CMA for their current home, providing services that we can list and sell their home for them at a much discounted rate. Um, you know, obviously we can't do trade-ins, you know, on, on our perspective, we're talking more like guaranteed sales programs and whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of parallels just as it relates to, you know, the challenges that buyers are faced with. and so. Uh, That is constantly what we're trying to deal uh, with is developing content, developing programs and services that will remove those barriers, remove the obstacles to make it a lot uh, smoother of a transition.
0: And one of those barriers, if I'm remembering, was just the amount of content around the product itself on the website. And you got on that ball and you you attacked it and it got much better really quickly. You guys use HubSpot, which is working well for you, right? Like you guys are fans of Mm -hmm. HubSpot. And we don't hear that quite as much as other CRMs, but it, it works really well for you. And we've, we always have enjoyed working with it when, when we have someone who uses that system, one of the methodology parts of HubSpot that's sometimes, and in, obviously Justin is, he's a French Canadian, so he's going to disagree if he doesn't <laughs> agree, because that's, he will feel free to do that. <laughs> that's it's just a joke. Everyone settle down, but HubSpot's inbound methodology. while I think in theory, it is correct. of you want to attract people to you with the content that you have, you want to provide good content to them. You were using a lot of gated, downloadable content as lead generation tools. And I think you still have some of those in place. But talk to me about the weighting of how much was coming through there versus just uh, someone being able to look at enough content about a home themselves to decide they want it and kind of that journey of transition that you led the company through.
1: Right. Yeah, so you and I, you know, don't always necessarily get along, or you know, CI eye eye as it relates to like the inbound <laughs> philosophy and the methodology. But we're definitely very big believers in that process here at Thrilling Homes. We definitely believe it's been helping us funnel people through to the purchase. The fact is, you know, as it relates to the gated content, you know, form submissions in general are just like going down. And, and it's going to continue down that trend forever. Yeah, you know, I don't see a time where that's going to go back and you know, we're going to see an uptick. So the gated content is, is, is definitely a struggle uh, to get people into our funnel. But nonetheless, we have funnels and most home builders have giant databases with contacts galore and what we have is you know <laughs> to use my french or lack of vocabulary here we're constipated we these funnels are accused <laughs> of both we have these bottlenecking and we can't get people through to the purchase but yet we have these giant databases that we don't know what to do with and so how do we mm. bring them down and yeah. get them you know past those barriers and so we need you know for lack of better terms we need like some type of laxative uh, to get them down oh my god eh this podcast is amazing <laughs> Anyway, so... Well, well, uh, let's
0: unpack that before you keep going, because for those who don't follow the, as my youngest would say, the number two analogy (laughs) of of using the restroom, (laughs) the problem sometimes with inbound is you get a high number of pieces of contact information or leads of some type, but they don't typically, in our experience, show up often at the sales level because either the nurturing isn't good enough or they got what they wanted, they're gone. So what you're talking about is... You got to find a way to get them unstuck and simply respond again because they tend to go dormant and disappear if you're not really right. aggressive at at nurturing them. So what you well, mean?
1: Well, the fact is, like, here's the thing: people come into the funnel and naturally they're going to fit into some type of persona, and this is where the the, the inbound marketing strategies come screaming mm-hmm. in, right? They are going to be move up buyers. That has specific challenges that are related to that persona. They're going to be downsizers. They're going to be first-time home buyers. They could be just newly exposed to the whole industry, and as it relates to mortgages, they could be new to Canada, which has its own challenges. They could be investors, and so each one of our you know thousands of contacts have some type of persona that they can be associated with. And so oftentimes it's funny. I find that marketers complain, you know, they'll see people that are active on their CRM and they're showing behaviors and they're thinking, okay, my sales team needs to get engaged. They're not calling what's happening. There's a lot of frustration that arises. But if you're looking at some of the better companies out there, like the Zillow's or the Amazon's, it's the marketing team that is connecting with these people that are higher up in the funnel and bringing them down closer to the purchase. The salesperson gets involved so late. It's not a salesperson at Zillow, for example, that is connecting with this, you know, higher of the funnel contact to you know, try to remove those barriers. It's their marketing you know team that is, you know built out this they're the architects in all this. They have built up these bridges to kind of guide guide them down the path to purchase. And so here at Sterling Homes Edmonton, that is, you know, as crazy as it sounds, we try and rely at the least amount of possible to on sales staff. We don't rely on. No,
0: I wish more people would channel that frustration in the appropriate way and say, if mm-hmm. a salesperson happens to do not not of course every type of activity, but certain activities, that's a that's a bonus, that's a win. But I'm not gonna win or lose by getting them to change their behavior you know? right just well if, if we've
1: noticed for example just as it relates to like a, just a simple example if they're they're screaming kicking and screaming for information on a certain home model naturally we want to merchandise that product as best as possible and so in the car industry again we saw this all the time get pictures on there get uh, videos on there do a tour of, of that vehicle when you go into a retail joint those items are typically merchandise right in front of you. So you can touch and feel and, and experience that product. But when you're online, you don't get the same treatment at all. And so as much as possible, provide as much information on every single spec home uh, as you can. And so that is you know, one of the things that has really differentiated us on the marketplace is spec homes typically don't come with a specific floor plan, RS, RMS measurements, a virtual tour, even floor plans. They Typically, what you'd see is a quick little description and a, a rendering, sorry, an elevation that doesn't necessarily give you any type of feel for that product and so home builders in general do a very poor job of merchandising their products online especially their spec homes
0: mm-hmm. yep no it's for sure you, you got three pictures what else do you want
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you ever need there's three of them <laughs> one two
2: three so justin i think we're actually quite similar i have this bias towards how can i make something a system and automate it as much as possible you could definitely tell me if i'm 100 wrong do you feel like that Makes you more of a fan of this marketing automation yes. than having it rely more on human, which has like you know issues in itself. But of course, both have have issues. Yeah. Does that and make context sense? there, How, there like, is too? There a bias
0: before you jump in, Justin Steve Shoemaker, who we've had on the podcast. I think he is naturally more biased towards. I'm going to try to find someone that I can on my marketing team who's going to specialize mm-hmm. in helping this. Uh, unsticking, laxative part of the funnel versus using
2: automation. (laughs) Yeah, and they have someone, don't they? I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but they have someone like dedicated just towards long-term
0: Yeah, exactly. So in their case, they have an online salesperson who's fast in responses, and they have someone else on their team who's dedicated at purely doing long-term follow-up as a dedicated part of that person's job. But Mm -hmm. Justin, you seem more like Andrew was saying, bent towards let's figure out a way to to use technology to our advantage here.
1: Absolutely. So naturally, I'm a big HubSpot fan, as you had mentioned. I think that if you're looking to automate your marketing process and really take on more of the sales role within your marketing, HubSpot is, I think, the go-to CRM. Absolutely. The fact is, from our perspective, and this is how the industry and marketing has gone over the last 10 years, marketing has gone down the funnel. So historically speaking, 20 years ago... Marketing was a purely like an advertising channel where you'd bring people into the funnel. The second you have a name, that transfer and the passing of the baton happens right away over to sales. And they don't necessarily yep. have know what kind of content to provide or how to sell that because they don't know what the challenges and the barriers are to, to purchase. And so marketing over time, because of you know certain frustrations as well from that end has gone down the funnel and and progressively over the last 20 years has almost gotten closer well basically to that buy now button we're not there yet but i did you know i did mention that that was a goal for us here at sterling we want to get all the way down to the area where you know you can click and buy a home um a spec um, especially as you you know move into like more of a, a spec home builder area so uh, we definitely try and audit as much as we can if we know that they're interested in a certain home model we are going to on top of you know having a well-merchandised home on a landing page on our website. We're going to deliver them, you know, virtual tours of that home, email workflows so that we can, again, bring them higher or closer to purchase. HubSpot CRM, just a quick little selling point here. Kevin and I, you and I, we've talked about this in the past actually as it relates to artificial intelligence and how Mm -hmm. that's, you know, embedding itself into our industry and how it's, you know, it's getting, you know, becoming more and more prevalent in marketing. Uh, But unfortunately, the word AI gets thrown around a lot and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, basically like basic algorithms here that force people in corner into corner people into, you know, this, I don't know, the chatbot experience, for example. Yeah, so, Sounds
0: you know. like something you should pay a lot of money for, because if you don't, <laughs> yeah. you must be dumb because you don't understand that AI is changing everything. So therefore, you must want to buy my product. It does. It does definitely right. get used as uh, like fairy dust to get sprinkled on anything, even if it's somewhat mediocre as a justification of why you, if you're smart, you would know you'd want to use this.
1: 100%. But that being said, as much as I look at the word AI with a grain of salt, HubSpot, the CRM does also provide you with a metric uh, that is backed by artificial intelligence. So it, it's basically the metric that we call likelihood to close, which is definitely a gauge that we use to provide uh, salespeople an indication of how close that person is to close in the next 90 days. And so it'll take All sorts of factors, how many uh, sales interactions that person says, how many uh, interactions that person has had with our website, with our landing pages, how many page views, how much time spent on site, thousands of factors. And then it generates a number that gets actually smarter over time as it analyzes our previous buyers and provides our salespeople a number essentially of how likely that person is to buy. So uh, for that reason alone, it kind of, especially as you get into the automation world, you can kind of guide them down to a high likelihood to close metric essentially.
0: Is that what's called the HubSpot score?
1: So there's a lot of manual scoring that you can do within the CRM itself. Um, We have a bunch of scores as it relates to, you know, we we score people based on, you know, marketing newsletter type stuff, uh, sales activity scores as well, website activity scores. But the likelihood to close metric that I'm talking about is an actual score that HubSpot has created. I don't know. I don't have access to the algorithm, but uh, we found it to be extremely accurate. So any purchaser that has you know bought a sterling home in the last six months typically has a likelihood to close metric
2: of around 20%, which is very high. That is That's good. That's interesting. On a similar story, Unbounce, a another Canadian company in Vancouver, they had a tool, an AI, that you played this game against it, which landing page would convert better. And so You know, Unbounce of course has a landing page software, and humans could not beat the tool in guessing which landing page would convert better. So that's interesting. This is essentially, if you were asked your salespeople, hey, of your twenty leads, which ones are likely closed in the next ninety days, or I think that's the time frame you said, the AI in theory or or maybe would actually give a better number than that salesperson. 100%. 100%. Good. It's
1: actually, it allows us That's to provide management, upper management to yeah, a, forecast. A forecast yeah. in a sense and yeah. that we can look at our CRM and say, you know what? In the next 90 days, we can kind of expect X amount to you know, go through the purchase. And so yeah. really it, it provides a whole lot of intelligence. I do agree with you, Kevin, you got to look at the word AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, the grand I was sponsor. actually,
0: Justin, I was just going to tell you that I had a meeting with some of the higher ups at HubSpot and they told me how that algorithm works. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. You me an email with a it, um, Well, what it does <laughs> is it looks at the communication back and forth, and when the customer says, "Great, I'd like to come in and sign the contract," or "Sounds good, I'll we'll come in to write the contract." then it, if it sees those words, it says they're likely to buy. That's how it... I'm, just, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs>
2: oh, my! <man>. It's <laughs> that, super smart. That's- <laughs> but
0: but well, there you go. There, there's a couple of reasons that I really <laughs> have, have enjoyed getting to know Justin. One is that he is, as you can tell, feisty and isn't afraid to to disagree and have fun, challenging ideas. And and the other is he has a great sense of humor, which leads us to kind of the the last segment here of... I don't know how much of this is Justin. This is what we need your help with. How, how much of the fun kind of, I'll, I'll say from a United States perspective, out there ideas that you guys do from a branding and marketing perspective, especially online, came from Justin's mind versus is kind of maybe a difference to how Canadian companies and brands approach marketing, which at times to me feels more like European than the rest of North America.
1: Right. So for us, I mean, we all digest content on uh, at a high rate. And so we're all connected to social media. We're all connected to Instagram. We're all connected to Facebook. And we we see content all the time when and typically I guess it all depends on who you follow. But I like to follow you know, funny people. I don't like I don't know if I could name them off, uh, like what pages exactly. But so I guess I'm always kind of dialed in in the sense that you know, if I see something online that you know we could potentially replicate and it could be uh, relevant to our industry and make it you know and make it funny. Essentially, obviously we're going to try and, and try and make it happen. Essentially, and so when I was actually down at a conference and I believe it was in San Diego, Jay Shetty uh, spoke on this and he l- analyzed, I guess, the all of the. Um, viral videos over the last, I don't know, a couple of years. Let's just say, and took out. I think it was five characteristics of all these viral videos, and unfortunately, education was not top of the <laughs> five um, right. uh, characteristics of any viral video. And so, obviously, in our uh, industry, and as it relates to how we market and etc., and we're talented, going overcoming barriers, blah blah blah. We educate and we're trying to build up like that advisor role in becoming that trusted advisor for, for purchasers. But the fact is in terms of like a brand awareness in light of brand awareness and all that funny works. Of uh, um, engagement and entertainment works. Education, unfortunately, doesn't necess- uh, allow us to achieve a greater number of people and, and acquire some more traffic. And so, for that reason, it is absolutely um, the reason why we did like a floss video, got a lot of traction from that on our social <laughs> media platforms, had a lot of fun with We'll it. put a
0: link to uh, that in the show notes for yeah. you to, to watch for sure. And, and that one I think is yeah. interesting
2: because it's, I think this is a Kevin word, edutainment.
0: Like uh-huh.
2: you have Yang doing the floss for the whole video, but it's actually like a tour of the home giving the specs and everything yes. about it. So you're, you're tricking people into watching the entire thing when you're like, he's standing in the bathtub. Is he really well, doing we have
1: it? A, We have an expression that we use, uh, which is entertainment first, education second. And if you can rely on that rule, I think you're, you're, you're going to put yourself in a good spot.
0: Well, and we're going to unpack this more at our summit this year in Chicago. But I think also when you're talking about where in the funnel is that content for? So entertainment is obviously a higher priority when you're going to go compete against people's cat photos and happy birthday messages on social media and whatever else crazy is going on out there. I'm now I'm I'm watching a lot of TikTok videos these days, Justin, mm-hmm. and the entertainment value there is just out of this world. I don't follow anyone I'm not connected but just the videos there are are just amazing. So mm-hmm. how do you feel about entertainment as you go further down like closer to purchase? Do you still feel like entertainment takes priority because that's something else that i'm just kind of spending a lot of time thinking about is maybe as the customer is closer to purchase because there's maybe more specific or detailed things to to educate on that may or may not matter can entertainment ever i guess i'm wondering out loud here with all three of us can entertainment ever get in the way as you proceed down the funnel
1: I don't know if it'll get in the way. I, I definitely think it'll provide a, an assist. If not, we'll use a hockey reference here, a second assist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we do here in our, if you check out our Instagram page, we try and highlight our employees and we have amazing descriptions that we write about them. We're trying to, really celebrate the successes of our team and a lot of times unfortunately people look at builders and you know we're these big bad builders and we're we're out to gouge people etc etc so we're really trying to humanize that element and uh, and show that we are fun loving people we like to have fun we're there to provide customers the best experience possible and just by reading those descriptions like I said we try and have a lot of fun with it and and provide that entertainment value while also humanizing you know, the company. So do I think it can hurt you? No. Do I think it can help you? Absolutely. I do not sell necessarily. I don't go out and network with, you know, my friends and and scream Sterling, you know, when I'm out having a beer at a bar. But I've had a lot of referrals actually, you know, asking about uh, new homes at Sterling Homes. And uh, that was likely because of a few shares that I have on a on a funny mm-hmm. video that we've done here at Sterling Homes. And so it is definitely a way to generate not only awareness, but also business in my opinion.
0: Awesome. Okay. Last question I have, you recently took a trip to meet some of your sister brother companies. Sterling is owned by Qualico. So you, you visited a division in the United States in Texas specifically. And tell me kind of your takeaways from that and then I'll share their takeaways from what you shared with them because I think this is also just <laughs> yeah. a oh, interesting right. story about interesting. how the differences between Canada and the states sometimes shows up.
2: In Texas to pick all united to pick a state right. in Texas yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well big shout out to pacer
1: texas by the way i think their sales team down there is the biggest hidden gem in texas right now uh, they are such a fun-loving group the culture that they have and that they've instilled there is just awesome really like i, I could speak at great lengths about uh, you know what we learned and all their processes down there but uh, really with some amazing takeaways i think that uh, that was definitely the biggest one though is getting the right people on the bus and making sure that they're on the right seat, and they do an amazing job of that. The recruitment process over there is really uh, refined, and like I said, just from a culture perspective, it was an amazing team to work with. As it relates, like just the differences as well as from Canada to the to the states. We we do a terrible job here in Canada of like asking for registrations and getting their phone number and getting them into our database uh, from that first visit. Uh, typically, that's
0: seen as kind of aggressive, right? Like, what are you trying to do? I know, okay. very aggressive, yeah.
2: exactly. Like, and so, just got and, done, or like <laughs> and it's it's they, like like not normal like that's rude okay that makes sense
1: exactly that that is very much the case we we don't like to make that ask it's almost like asking for clothes and people are very uncomfortable asking for any type of clothes that is something that i think as canadians we can work on as a sales team but from what i learned down south is that you know if you're not asked for you know information there are people that will get offended. They'll they'll say, well, why am I, are you disqualifying me right away? Like, you should be taking down my number. We should be in touch. Mm. Like, we should, uh-huh. you should be following up with me. And uh, and it just, like, has the reverse effect uh, instead of what we're doing. We're, we're afraid of asking for that information because, you know, we don't want to come off as pushy. So it's just hilarious, the dynamic that, you know, that exists in, in both countries. Yeah. Right? And
0: you actually had people sending you bonbon videos, like, within 15 minutes of you leaving the model.
1: Oh, my God, like... Yeah, we would leave a show home. We're just checking it out. We're not, we're not buyers at all. They knew that we were there just to, you know, for a simple visit, but it's just part of their culture. Bomb, Bomb, Vidyard, welcoming them in. Thank you for the visit. Have a lot of fun with that as well. These props, I mean, uh, for example, one of the salesmen down there had used a prop of like it was a dinosaur and it was like sitting out in the deck. And you know, the camera is you know zoomed in on that dinosaur. and I'm wondering, like, what the heck? Why is he filming a dinosaur? (laughs) Talked about he made the analogy of how that home model is going to be extinct here very soon. So, if you don't you know snag it, snag this home right now, you know, you're going to be like this dinosaur and it's no longer going to be available. So, uh, it was just they have a lot of fun with it. And just from an engagement perspective, I like those videos, like speak a lot of volume. And I really think that that team down there is the best hidden secret hidden gem down there.
0: Yeah. And then from their perspective, they were just like, wow, kind of the the progressive ways that, that you're using HubSpot and looking at marketing automation and some of the stuff you're doing from a digital marketing perspective, they were like, Oh my gosh, you know, just like you were describing the sales team as just the ideal sales team, they were looking at what you were doing and saying, There's a whole lot of stuff that we can learn from how. So I just thought it was interesting as you both met with each other. I think each side felt like the other side was so much better. But it just, to (laughs) to me, talking to both sides, it was like you actually have a lot that you can share. And it's awesome being part of the same parent company that there's no, no barriers to doing that other than just you guys getting on and and talking to each other, which is, which is awesome to see you start doing more of
1: yeah you know it really wasn't an, an amazing experience. I should have done it years ago. I feel we we don't do it enough. We don't look to our colleagues. we don't look to our peers to you know see what's working out there. We like we get very possessive, but when you sit down and start talking, you really start to realize quickly how many challenges are or you know we're we're faced with the same set of challenges and so uh definitely something uh that going forward uh, we're gonna try and break that trend and you yeah. know, working alongside I, people that can
0: help I think help. you should just start like don't ask permission to be very American here and just start your own podcast for Qualico. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: That be would awesome. be good. Yeah, I agree. That would be a lot of fun. I'll have to talk to Greg. No, no, the, just uh, do it. About just do it.
0: Greg said it's, Greg said do it's it. fine. <laughs>
1: I got myself a setup here with a Yeti um, microphone. See? So, you know, what? You're ready to that's go. the first step, right? I got the
0: swag. Well, Justin, thanks so much for taking time away from curling and beer to have a chat with us. I know <laughs> your time yeah. is busy. But if you are not connected to Justin, check out the links in the show notes to his profiles online. Definitely reach out. Great guy to, to connect with. Tease about hockey if you're if you're into that, too. And uh, just, just all around a great guy with a lot of knowledge.
1: All right. Appreciate it there, Kevin. Andrew, it was a pleasure. Pleasure. Um, uh, Thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to our next chat for sure.